Amen. Second Peter chapter 3. Starting at verse 10. And would you stand for the reading of God's word? Second Peter chapter 3. Starting at verse 10, you will find these words. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's word. And this morning, I just want to speak to you from the thought, what to do before your world burns up. What to do before your world burns up. Here in 2 Peter chapter 3 continues the admonition, continues the encouragement of Peter to the saints who were scattered abroad in Rome. So Peter in his second letter also at times refers to his brother Paul who also wrote to Rome, to the saints who were scattered abroad in Rome. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, knowing the persecution that was on the saints, were writing to them to let them know that everything was going to be all right. He was writing to encourage them in a time when they were in a fierce persecution. That old crazy madman Nero was on the throne. Saints were being torn apart and boiled in oil, crucified. They've been treated very badly. And they were scattered in different congregations all over the Roman province. But Peter was writing to encourage them that a change was going to come. And so these words of Peter are to encourage us as well. Because in the time of fierce persecution, a lot of things happen that shouldn't be happening. 
people are discomforted and disenchanted. Some of them feel like they've been marginalized and set aside and anger erupts and things are said that shouldn't be said. So Peter is trying to write and convey to them to remember that a change is going to come. And all these things that are mattering to you right now won't matter anymore. He's saying to them, and it's going to be quick, and it's going to be unannounced. It says here in verse 10, it says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The thief that comes in the night, he doesn't come so that you can hear from him. He doesn't ring the doorbell. But he works quickly and swiftly, unlocking the doors quietly, entering in and taking that which he desires before you even know it. While you're there or while you're gone, a thief in the night. But by implication, you are there resting, sleeping and slumbering while the thief comes in and takes the valuables and leaves. And so... Peter's saying he's going to be like this thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. Before we know it, this world in which we know as earth and our world will be no longer. And so then Peter says, knowing this, that everything's going to get burned up even the elements, and it's going to be with a great noise. The trees, the plants, the buildings, the houses, even the land in which we know today will be burnt up. By extension, the financial systems, the way we think about interacting with one another, ethnic disparities, all of this stuff is going to be burned up in the fire. Black or white, Chinese or Japanese, Korean, all of this stuff, all of these things, countries, everything burned up in the fire. So knowing this, that things are going to be burned up in the fire, he says, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? It's interesting that Peter starts with the word holy conduct. How are you to conduct yourselves on a daily basis knowing that your world is going to be burned up. Is it going to really matter anymore that somebody stepped on your toes? Is it going to really matter any longer that harsh word that somebody said to you? Is it really going to matter any longer that you were passed up for that promotion on your job? Is it really going to matter when everything is going to be burned up. The day, the hour, you do not know it's going to be like a thief in the nights. And those of us who call 
ourselves saints who have been called out, how are we to conduct ourselves? It's only what we do for Christ that's going to last. All of our egos, all of our issues, all of our apparent important things on this life that cause us to divide is going to mean nothing when the world burns up. And so it ought to sober us when we think about the things in this life that are so important to us today. So important to us today that we hold a chronological log a historical analysis that we like to go back to about what other people have done to us and why we're not going to treat them any better than we do. How are we going to conduct ourselves knowing that even that's going to be burned up when Jesus comes back? It's sobering for me to think about the issues of life between brothers and sisters and friends and loved ones, even with my enemies, even those who I count as outside, is that going to really matter when your world has burned up? So what manner of person ought we to be? How should we conduct ourselves knowing that all that kind of stuff is going to burn up? The Bible lets us know that the one everlasting thing is love. And so love demonstrates itself that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That demonstration showed forgiveness. It showed a God that was willing to die for people who did not even care for him. Who were sinners. But he was in a posture to forgive. How ought we to conduct ourselves? Looking for every opportunity to forgive. Every opportunity to forgive because unforgiveness is a weight that causes the believer not to be able to operate as he or she should because they are encumbered by the sin of unforgiveness and that we can't get past issues so that we can move forward in the works of the master. So how should we conduct ourselves? Holy, the text says. Set apart. Not like the people of the world who's always trying to get back. That lives by the eye for the eye, the tooth for the tooth. You stole mine, I'm going to steal yours. You hurt mine, I'm going to hurt yours. No, not the saints of God. We ought to be holy. We ought to be peculiar. We ought not have that, but have a posture of forgiveness so that we can stay unified together as one body so that we can move forward in the things of God. God wants to get us to a place he wants to get us to a place of joy and peace. But we can't do it when we're so easily beset by the sin of unforgiveness. We've got to learn how to conduct ourselves as those who are in a posture to forgive at a moment's notice, on a daily basis. It's simple, but it ain't easy. 
But we have someone who's in us as believers who will give us the power to be able to do that, Mother Young. The Holy Spirit is in us to give us the power to overcome the bondage of sin, where sin binds us in unforgiveness. God says, I've given you someone who can overcome that in our daily day conduct. And the whole idea of godliness, the idea of godliness lets us know that it's a mindset that we ought to think on the noble thing. That we ought to realize where Christ sits, how he sees the world. Godliness puts us in a new posture and a new station in life. Because we have been called out of the darkness into the marvelous light, we now are seated with him. Ephesians chapter 2 says we are seated with Christ. So we are above the muck and mire and we should be able to see the condition of the world. We should see the frailties of life. Folk are going to make mistakes, y'all. I'm going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. Sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally. But mistakes will come. Transgression will come. Sometimes I'm going to hurt you. Not because I may have wanted to hurt you. Maybe I did. But that's part of the frailty of human beings. That's because sin has entered the world. But we who have been called by God ought to see that a little different, shouldn't we? We ought to see it as the human condition realizing that until we are resurrected, that we will continue to cause one another pain. Whether we want to, or whether we don't. But we ought to be in the position to forgive one another knowing that one of these days all that's going to get burned up. All of that stuff is going to get burned up in the fire. So how should we ought to live? How should we ought to operate now? It's operate as if it's already burned up. That's the easiest way to go about it. Is to say, now I know that he lied on me. But I know the human condition. Whether intentionally or unintentionally, I'm going to be ready to forgive him. And move on in the admonition of the Lord because I understand that this is a world of sin. But the body of believers has a mind that's the mind of Christ. So that we ought to be able to see beyond somebody's faults and to see the need. When our brother or our sister mistreats us, that's their fault. But their need is to be unified with one another in one body. We are all believers and that we are all grafted into one body. And whether or not we like it or not, Everyone who has named the name Jesus Christ and who is a true follower of him, you will see them again in glory. Now it would be a crying shame to spend your whole life here against your brother and end up in heaven looking at them and knowing that you spent your whole life 
not treating them right, not talking to them, to spend eternity with the same people. That's why God said, how can you say you love me, but you hate your brother? Doesn't make sense. But for some reason, we just can't let it go. I'm going to tell you a testimony of my own life today. One of my sisters had done something, what I thought to be very terrible to me and my dad when I was little. Took over 30 years for us to really start to talk with one another. Start to do things together. But we wasted 30 years. Because when I look back on what went down, yeah, it's kind of bad. But you know what? It don't hardly mean nothing now. Because the things that was the whole point of issue and contention, contention doesn't even exist anymore. But right then, I was living for then. And then as the years went on, I kept that historical law. I wouldn't let it go. And it cost our relationship 30 years. Thank God that we are talking and loving one another now. But that's such a waste. And I'm encouraging us today, if we got situations in our lives just like that, to make it right now. 30, 40 years go by, the things don't even exist anymore. Let it go and get back on one accord because the reality is that only what we do for Christ will last. Every action toward doing the things of God, every soul that's made a disciple, that's what's going to last. When all the wood and stubble and hay burn up in the fire, when all the elements go, it's the souls and the spirits of men and women that will go on. It's those relationships. It's that which we did for Christ. Love. Loving one another, forgiving one another. In the word love is forgiveness. Because we have to be able to see beyond our brothers or sisters faults and to see their needs. I couldn't see past the fault of my sister to see the need for us to have a good relationship. And as a matter of fact, if I look at it real close, I couldn't see past my own faults because I was wrong for holding the grudge. And it cost me the same need to have a relationship with her. Oh, how many things, how many enjoying opportunities and experiences and blessings were missed in 30 years. And I'm just encouraging you today with my story to say, don't let it happen to you. Cut it to a quick and don't let it go too long. And so when we look at this text, it says looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. You know what I found? Unfortunately, we we sing songs about looking forward to that day when God is to come. But really in our hearts, we're really not ready. Our hearts are holding on to this 
world that we know. Our jobs and our bank accounts and our houses and cars and our clothes and our relationships and the experiences we have in this life. Because I, I, I hear so many times that folks say, yeah, I want to go to heaven, but I'm not ready to go right now. Now look at that for a minute. If in heaven is the fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore, if we enter into his courts with praise, into his gates with thanksgiving, why is it that we are not ready now? Now, now we're singing the songs and we say we want to go to heaven, but if we really revere heaven like we should, we should be ready to go right now, shouldn't we? We should be at any moment's notice ready. Be ready for the day of the coming of the Lord because it will be like a thief in the night. But if you sit down holding this world too hard, could you miss it? Could you miss it because this world means more to you than heaven really does? It's just a good cliche to say, I'm, I'm, I'm on my way to heaven and I'm looking forward to it? Or are you really tied to this world? I know that's another thing that sounds simple, in which it is, but it's not easy. Why? It's because we have never been to heaven before. But all we really know is this earth. But that's why we got to continue to get into God's word and to act in accordance with his instructions, the more we become like Christ and we walk with him, the more we're going to desire to be in heaven. Because I found that every little step toward holiness in God, every little step to becoming more like Christ, it becomes a lonelier and lonelier walk. The more you start to live for the Lord, the more people fall off by the wayside. And so as that walk continues to grow, is the thirst for more and more the new heaven and the new earth. This life starts to have less and less value because you see it as the writer Solomon said when he said all is vanity. You start to see how all of the things that you hold so dear in this life your egos and your bank accounts and your investments and your homes and your children and all of those things that you hold relationships here become less and less the closer you get to the Lord. Because we realize that everything on this world can cause us pain. That which we hold closest can be snatched out of our hand. Every time we try to hold something on, it gets taken away. We get a fancy car and we love to drive it and it breaks down. And ultimately it rusts out. The homes we build, they are beautiful for a day, but then the foundation begins to shift. And it begins to crack and it begins to fall. Everything in this life is going down. But the more we learn about the Lord, we know that we find a place where there'll be no more cracks and foundation shifts. There'll be no more of that which we hold on to be lost because in that place is our true treasures. And so we see in this text that we ought to be hastening for it. 
When we are really walking with the Lord, we ought to be looking for that day when Christ is coming back to save us, to take us up out of here and to change these mortal bodies into immortal bodies that never will have pain or suffering again. We got to get there, saints. We got to get our hands from holding this earth too tightly and loosen it and let it go. Holding our children too tight, knowing that we can't hold them, but we got to let them go. Because one of these days, either they'll be taken for us or we'll be taken for them. But when we have our hands in the master's hand, that after a while, we will see them again if they have their hands in it, in a place that will never be going away again. Relationships will not be the same, but the intimacy will be greater than what we have ever known. Eyes have not seen, nor ears have heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of man the good things that is in store for us, those who love the Lord. And so as I come to a close, he reminds us that it's going to burn up in fervent heat and there's nothing that's going to be left. So nevertheless, we according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Don't you want to go to a place where righteousness dwells? No more transgression, no more hurting one another intentionally or unintentionally. No more lying or backbiting. No more arguing or cussing one another out. No more of that but righteousness dwells in its fullness. Where these, immor these mortal bodies will pass away with all of their sins. But we will take on immortality. And we will be glorified. And we will be like his son. We will love each one another with a deep love that we have never known before it will be such a deep love that you can't separate one for the other don't you want to be in a place like that doesn't that cause you to want to let go of these things which are perishing to grab hold of the things that are not perishing in the heavenly places and as I Look back over this wonderful story of Jesus Christ. How down through 42 generations, he came to a place called Gargantus Hill. A place of torment and a place of pain. A place where people died on the cross. But one Friday evening, my Jesus and your Jesus they put nails in his hands and nails in his feet. And he died for you and he died for me. So that we wouldn't have to pay the penalty for sin. But we would be able to have a right to the tree of life. That we would have righteousness. Not of our own but because of Jesus Christ he puts it to our account. So that now we can say that we are saved, but not to the end of that story. They took him down off that cross and they put him in a borrowed tomb. He was in that grave all night Friday. He was in that grave all day Saturday. He was in that grave all night Saturday night. But early Sunday morning, he got up with all power.
power in his hand. The power of new life. So that these bodies that we have today and these minds that we have will be changed. And they will be in a glorified state just like our master. And so right now, I open the doors of the church. If there's someone here who has not accepted our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right now is time. It's time while blood is running warm in your veins. You don't want to wait another hour, another minute, another second, but come to the Lord right now. He is able to save you just like you are. You don't have to get yourself right, but God will put right to you. Give your life to him today. You can come by letter, come by Christian experience, or you can come by baptism. Today is the day. You can get to know the Lord today. September 18th at 1 o'clock, right, Sister Shepherd? 
will be the memorial service for Sister Rhonda Robinson, and that's at United Believers out on 112th and Hillcrest, I believe. Amen. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Where he leads, me I will follow. Praise his name. God bless you and God keep you.